The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Marketing at Lightspeed with your host, Ethan Raziel. Many companies don't even know where to start when it comes to marketing and PR. That's why we're here right now. Get ready to learn the secrets that experts have known for years. We'll cover everything from social media to your website. Can you hear the sales growing? Now, here's Ethan Raziel. And good evening, everybody. I'm Ethan Raziel, and welcome to Marketing at Lightspeed. It's a pleasure to have you with us. And of course, we're live all over the world right here on Voice America. Now, I have a couple of incredible superstar guests with us tonight, but before I introduce them, I'll introduce myself. And again, I'm Ethan Raziel. I'll be your host this evening. And I head up, in addition to this show, I head up Lightspeed PR, a public relations agency that I founded about three years ago. And you need to understand, to understand what this show is all about, is that I spent some time as a reporter with Gannett. I spent many years with, with Edelman and a number of years with Samsung Electronics. And my experience at those companies was that they're all great companies. And Steve is with Edelman and he'll tell you about that. But my experience was a, a little bit of frustration with their bureaucracy that I experienced. So I created Lightspeed in order to bypass all that, in order to do what I love, in order to do marketing the way that I love it, without being held back by process and policy and red tape or, or even other colors of tape, whatever it might be. And I learned a lot in, in the, the years that I've been heading up Lightspeed, and so I started doing this show in order to share some of that wisdom with you. And we're going to talk each week. This is week six. And if you've missed the other episodes or on iTunes, you can go download them. We've had some great guests and we've had some great conversations. And this week is going to be no exception. The first guest that we're going to hear from after the break is Mr. Steve Rubel. And uh, actually, yeah, Steve Rubel. Steve Rubel is the chief content strategist for Edelman. Edelman probably needs no further introduction, one of the largest communications companies in the world with more than 5,000 employees in 65 cities. And you'll hear from, from Steve. Uh, you'll also hear from Barry Myers, who has had a really interesting background, but today is the head of a really incredible event series called Get Geeked. And I'm going to talk to both of them, but I'm going to talk to you a little bit first. I do want to encourage you to reach out to me. One of the guests that we had in a previous show reached out and said, I'd love to be on your show. And he was on. You can be a guest too. You can email me at ethan at lightspeedpr.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Raziel, and that's R-A-S-I-E-L. And you can check out my website at www.lightspeedpr.com. 
So we're going to talk to Barry and we're going to talk to Steve in a few minutes, but I wanted to share with you some of my own insights first. And the first thing I'm going to talk to you is about audience. Now, it doesn't matter if you're in public relations or if you're in advertising or if you're in social media or events or whatever, you're trying to reach an audience. And one of the biggest challenges that I have with my clients is they say, I want to get in front of lots of people. They say, I want to reach millions of people. And I say, okay, well, we'll get you in front of the highest exposure media, in my case, editorial, earned media that we can. And it happens all the time where we get broad, big media coverage. And then my client says, you know, it didn't move the needle on sales. We didn't sell a ton. We didn't get a ton of website traffic. We didn't get a a lot of sales or, or sales leads or whatever. And the reason is, is because they might have been the wrong people. So you need to think about as a marketer, who are the potential customers that you want and go after them. And I've had cases where for clients, I've gone after a very small group, a niche audience. And niche is sometimes used as a derogatory term. I don't think so. I think niche audiences are the best audiences there are because we know them. We know what they're into. And if we can get in front of the audience that wants that product or that service or that app or whatever we're selling, even if it's 20 people, if they're the right 20 people, it could be a slam dunk. So think about that. Of course, you can reach a big audience and, and, and coincidentally hit some potential customers, but think about catering what you're doing to the right people and going after a smaller number of higher quality people. Sounds obvious, right? It isn't. Not to everybody. Next tip I want to share with you. If you live in New York City, or if you live in any major city, get out from away from your desk. Don't do phone calls, especially to somebody in the same city. By the way, I mentioned this on another show, but I'm saying it again because I think it's really important. If, especially if you're an entrepreneur, the most important thing you can do is get out from that desk and go and meet people. And if you make a phone call to somebody, it should be to set up that meeting. And even if it's in another city, okay, you do a phone call first. The second conversation, do it in person. It doesn't matter if you have to get on a plane. I'm going to Israel next week to meet with a new client. For me, it was worth it. And Steve, I'm sure... You can testify to this because I know that you travel all over the place. There's nothing more important than eye contact and shaking hands and getting in a room with somebody. And we have this great technology. We're using Skype. We're using email. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we're human beings and especially as marketers. There is nothing more important than actually that FaceTime. Another piece of advice I want to give you. Don't forget to think global. You know, we're, we're Americans, at least I am and, and my guests are. We're the most provincial. I think we're one of the most provincial cultures on earth. We always think about us first. We forget about Europe and we forget about Asia. Don't make that mistake. It doesn't, if you're marketing, think about how what you're saying can be translated. And I'm not saying literally translated into another language, but how it will be received by others. Try to think broadly. And try to think about how what you say can be repurposed and repackaged and used again for another country. 
from the very first thing you do, whether it's a tweet, whether it's a press release, whether it's an ad, whether it's an email, you want to take that and think about how it can be expanded and multiplied to other countries. Think about your global strategy from day one, not as an add-on. And the last thing I want to share with you before we take a break and talk to our guests, and that is that words matter. Well, of course they do. But word, the meaning of words is actually whatever you think it is. I'm going to give you an example. I like to tell this story. Did you know that before 1922, the words for radio and the words for wireless, they meant the same thing? So you had newspaper ads appearing that talked about, and the words for phone, they all meant the same thing. There was newspaper ads that sold a wireless phone in 1922. Now, what they were selling was a radio, a handheld radio, a one-way. You know, we know today, it's very obvious, right? A radio is something that you receive only, and a phone is a two-way conversation. That's only the case because somebody decided, in fact, it was the Committee on Nomenclature of Radio Telephone Conference. In 1922, they decided, okay, we got to define these words. There's confusion. Nobody knows the difference between phones and radio and wireless. So they defined it and published it in a newspaper, and from that day forward, radio was one thing and phone was something else. We're dealing with that problem today all the time. It doesn't matter what your category is. It doesn't have to be technology. We're using words that don't have definitions, and you've got to define them. It could be, what's 3G versus 4G? What's, what's versus 5G? Take the time to think about when you communicate whatever you're communicating, and there's some specific words like geek that I want to talk about with Barry in a minute and how those words have meaning and the meaning of those words can change. Everything we say, the meaning is fluid and amorphous and we have to define it as we go. And that's our responsibility as marketers. So those are some lessons that I've learned the hard way over the years. We're going to take a short break and I'm going to have my first guest join us when we come back. Stay with us. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you found that PR firms are over expensive and under deliver? Have you hired a smart team of senior pros and ended up with a young team of recent grads? Well, you're not alone. We've had the same experience. That's why we created Lightspeed PR. Lightspeed isn't like other agencies. We're here to deliver results and do it quickly. It's right there in the name. By the way, we can't bait and switch because junior team members don't exist at Lightspeed. Visit LightspeedPR.com and learn more. We are ready to help. That's LightspeedPR.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are tuned into Marketing at Lightspeed with Ethan Raziel. We'd love to hear from you today. Call into the program at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. 
472-5790. You may also send an email to Ethan at LightspeedPR.com. Now back to the show. And we're back. This is your host, Ethan Raziel, and you are listening to Marketing at Lightspeed. If you've just joined us, it's not too late. Go to iTunes. You can download the full episode and hear what you've missed, as well as the other episodes we've done. But I'm really excited to have a good friend of mine and a long-term, a long-time collaborator, Mr. Barry Myers. Barry, thank you for joining the show. Uh, thank you, Ethan. You know, since I started to get geeked, I've had to try to do more of these. So um, I'm getting more used to them, and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, I thank you for joining us. And, and, and Barry, you, we're going to talk about Get Geeked in a minute. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of Get Geeked and, and all that you do. But I want to just, for, for a moment or two, talk about how you got to where you are now. You've, you've, you've been a lawyer. You've worked at Ziff Davis. You've, uh, you've done a lot. So tell our listeners about your history and how you got to this point. Sure, sure. My favorite question, right? <laughs> I love this question because, uh, you know, there, there are two ways to address it depending on the audience. Uh, I, I joke with people all the time that I can spin it into the perfect story and make it sound like it was all pre-planned and executed perfectly, uh, or I can tell the truth. <laughs> so I think for purposes of the podcast, we should probably tell the truth. Um, yeah, we want the truth. Give us the truth. We can handle it. <laughs> Uh, yes, Boston University School of Law, and you know I was encouraged by your intro where you were talking about uh, the notion of words mattering. Um, I think you know a law school education is really invaluable. It, 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 you know, some people are kind of inclined to think a certain way, and other people kind of just go to law school and kind of learn. But uh, regardless, I mean, law school is really an invaluable education. It really teaches you uh, a very methodical exacting way of approaching problems and debates and discussions and arguments. And, um, you know, in the context of law school, arguments is not a uh, shouting match or anything. It's something quite different. So that's where it did start. And I did practice for a little while. I, I, I didn't litigate in a courtroom or work for a law firm, but I did spend almost five years at a small consulting firm, and we specialized in telecommunications regulatory work. So we were, I was in technology right off the bat, and we were writing white papers and filing them with the Department of Commerce and the Federal Communications Commission on behalf of big cable and phone companies. And it was right when the 96 Act, the Telecommunications Act of 96 had passed. So you can imagine we were very busy. Companies were desperate to try to figure that out and to try to influence its um, how it was be going to be um, put into play uh, by the regulators as they looked at the law and made the regulations to kind of actually govern those industries. So, um, so the the law school education was terrific, and uh, those four years were interesting. I mean, incredibly different than what I do now. Uh, you know, more or less locked in a basement, depositions all around me, writing white papers. Um, small firm, limited growth, and um, you know, I think the first kind of impulsive move I made was uh, right around 2000 saying that I've, I've just had enough of this and, and I kind of left impulsively. And uh, of course, that was, you know, dot com bubble burst time. And, um, you know, in retrospect, probably wasn't a perfectly planned um, move at the time. Um, but, you know, like so many people, luck, hard work, timing, 
a few key people play a role in, in where you ultimately end up. And uh, for me, the first piece of that was that I was hired over at Comdex, which for those of you who have been around a little while know that it was the big oh, tech yeah. industry event well. in Las Vegas prior to CES. They coexisted alongside each other for several years, but it was Comdex that was the bigger one for a long time. Uh, at the time I was hired there as a, as a consultant uh, to design some conference programming for them, um, their trajectory was already kind of going down and CESs was really going up. And as a matter of fact, they hired me to design some conference programming that addressed consumer-facing legal regulatory issues. Back then it was Napster and P2P and privacy, the latter of which, of course, we're still talking about today. Um, but they kind of... It's, a, it's the gotten worse, hasn't it? Pardon? It's even, the privacy issue is only getting worse. Oh, God, yeah. God, yeah. With technologies advancing and more ways of um, infiltrating people's privacy, of course. Um, but the writing had kind of been on the wall for a couple of years for them, and that's really the reason they kind of went in that direction. And we did a great, we had a terrific conference. Richard Stallman, John Potter from uh, a lot of you know Washington folks talking about Napster and P2P. Um, but the key thing for me there was that the woman who hired me, who was the president of Comdex at the time, Monica Vila, uh, she was the first just terrific influence mentor type of person for me. She had been involved in events for a very long time. This was my first experience with them. I think she had been one of the people who launched PC Expo, and that even predates me. I'm only speaking from what I know there. Um, but she was a real events professional. And uh, so she taught me a ton, not only that year, but as we kind of became close and we really hit it off, we started to discuss, well, you know, this isn't going to last too long here at Comdex. I think they had one year after I left. Barry, what was left. that? Well, I, I just want to ask you, since you said you learned so much from Monica, what, can you share with our listeners something you learned from her? You know, it was literally the A to Z of, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, as we talk more, but the A to Z of producing, selling, promoting events, big and small, because those lessons are really applicable, but sponsorship sales, how do you construct uh, a program, how do you um, create uh, an engaging environment, a show floor, uh, I mean, there's almost nothing uh, about events that she didn't teach me. I mean, I continue to learn, and I think that's critical to everything we're going to talk about, this notion of always being a student at some level, um, but literally the A to Z of running a show. And um, as we were kind of banging around ideas on what we should do, since we could kind of see that Comdex was probably not going to be around much longer, uh, we came up with the concept for digital life. And that was the uh, four-day press and consumer pre-Christmas show at the Javits Convention Center. And uh, what we did is we came up with that concept and we pitched it around to different media companies and Ziff Davis uh, bit. And, uh, and brought us in-house, and we became employees of Ziff Davis. And that's actually how that came to be. Uh, we became the Ziff Davis market, event marketing group, but uh, our real job was Digital Life 24-7. Uh, and that was a really unique show. There had been consumer-facing events in the past, and there still are, but uh, those had been very kind of vertically focused, Comic-Con, 
uh, some of the other gaming events around that let the public in, PAX Expo, PAX, I think, might. Um, this was the first one that was literally like a mini CES. I mean, if it was consumer-facing tech, we had a spot for it. We ran a big gaming tournament. We um, So it was a very unique event, and it took off in a hurry. And we ran that together with some other people at Ziff uh, from 2004 to 2008 uh, until the economy imploded all around us. And... Um, that's when Ziff no longer decided they wanted to do. And it, I mean, it was a terrific show. It was profitable. Um, but there's a ton of resources that go into that. And Ziff, of course, uh, was going through a transition at that time, too. It wasn't long after that they decided to stop printing PC Mag, which is one of the iconic publications of the technology industry. Of course, it still exists digitally. But. Um, so that was a big transition time for everybody. And, um, you know, what we were seeing on the event side was that the big trade show environment was not as appealing <laughs> with the economy melting down around us. Uh, anybody who knows, and your listeners may or may not, but those events cost a lot of money to produce and to exhibit at. Uh, you're bringing, you know, dozens of people to New York for a week at a time. Uh, when you're in a convention, you're dealing with the unions, and uh, I'm a big fan of unions, so I'm not meaning to diss them, of course, but um, those shows get very costly very quickly. Um, so when Ziff decided that it was no, they, they weren't going to produce digital life anymore, um, that was the next piece of luck I had. And I don't think it's all rock, because it's relationships and it's... Um, you know, becoming close to people in the industry and they can help you and you can help them. And, um, you know, at the time, I guess <clears throat> Ryan Block and Peter Rojas had just sold and gadget to AOL a little bit before the cancellation of Digital Life. But for those four years, they had come to the show and covered the show as Engadget. Of course, you know, Ryan was the first editor-in-chief. Peter, of course, and, uh, was the founder and, of Engadget. And, 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 and um, just, just so you know, I want to make sure to get to get to get geeked. Uh, we've got about four minutes left in this segment. And, um, and uh, Sasha Segan, who runs the mobile coverage over at PC Mag, introduced me to those guys just as they were getting their startup GDGT gadget.com off the ground. And uh, that was tremendous. And those were the second two people who were so critical. I learned just so much. I worked at Gadget for four, almost five years there, too. I created the Gadget Live series, which is, you know, very similar to what I'm doing with Get Geeked, but a, a, a small piece of it. And, um, uh, tremendous experience. And in 2013, AOL acquired us, and Ryan and Peter actually sold consecutive startups to AOL, which is a great story in itself. Um, and I actually was at AOL for almost a full year, and, you know, mixed mixed experience. Um, but it, it was, you know, as a matter of fact, in your introduction, right, you talk about the reasons for creating Lightspeed. I mean, I, you could have substituted Get Geek Media in at any time yeah, right. there. And, and everybody saw that, and Peter saw that, and he was actually one of the people who came up to me and said, you know, you've been doing these shows, and you know how to do them. You've got great relationships with your sponsors. Why don't you go do them on your own? That's when I decided to go ahead, and it was time to, to venture out on my own. So in early 2014, that's when I left, and I, uh, and I founded Get Geeked Media. And, um, you know, the company is fundamentally built on the event space. It's what I know, but we've got a lot of, you know, a much broader vision for what we're trying to do to help brands engage with uh, enthusiasts and influencers, or as I like to call them, advocates, because, you know, we'll probably get into this maybe at some point, but I think there's a real difference between an advocate and an influencer, and I'm real careful in my world uh, about trying to explain that difference and make sure the companies that do my events understand that difference. And I, I think I want to come back to advocates versus influencers in the fourth segment because I want to hear both of you. 
answer that one. But w- one thing I was interested, uh, Barry, when you decided to call your event Get Geeked, I remember a time when if you called somebody a geek, that was a big insult. I- have we really reclaimed that term now? Uh, I think technology reclaimed it for us, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, culture ebbs and flows, and the hipsters of one generation are kind of the um, not hipsters, I didn't want to say losers, of another generation. Um, (laughs) So uh, I think in this instance, you know, tech became cool. So people who knew about tech became cool. I think it's almost as simple as that. And, yeah, I think that's true, and I think your show is is awesome. And can you – I want to make sure to tell people, um, how can they get involved? You have a a show coming up. Um, How can people get involved in it? So my – um, one, two, my third New York event, Get Geek New York. And one of the reasons I love the brand so much is because you add that city and it becomes a call to action. And that was one of the things I really fell in love with because when you start to say Get Geek New York, you're, again, a call to action, um, is actually in uh, on June 22nd, and it's part of CE Week this year, which was a big deal for us. I mean, CE Week has been New York City's biggest B2B uh, tech industry event for almost a decade. So for them to come to us and say, I love what you're doing, our sponsors, the companies we work with are asking for help engaging this community. Uh, why don't you come and join us and be part of our event? So that's how it's working this year. So it's been interesting, but it's been you know, a real vindication of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build. Uh, that event is, CE Week is June 22nd and 23rd at the Metropolitan Pavilion. So the Get Geek New York piece of that is Wednesday night, June 22nd, um, from 6 to 9 p.m. And of course, you know, you can go to getgeek.tv and find the registration button for consumers. But uh, I also just want to quickly say that if you are a member of the press or a member of the tech industry, then you want to go to ceweeknny.com uh, to register because you will get access to, uh, to the Thursday event and, and uh, things that the consumers actually don't get access to. Yep, you get the full package. Uh, and I will be there uh, with you, Barry, for that, and, and I look forward to it. Okay, last question before we go to break. What is a tech enthusiast? Well, a tech enthusiast is, you know, clearly someone who is enthusiastic about technology, and uh, flowing from that is this notion of advocacy. I mean, I'm sure Steve can speak to this, whether it's in the context of social or not, but, you know, the data is all around us about the importance that consumer-to-consumer recommendations have. Um, so that's a tech enthusiast. Now, what we're doing with tech enthusiast is a sub-brand uh, because, and we'll probably get into this a little bit, uh, you know, the broader vision I, I referred to earlier, uh, you know, we really want to kind of build this army of geeks and find ways to um, create communication channels back and forth between companies and geeks so that companies can access this community uh, for beta testing, for product review programs, for market research and focus groups, and build better products. Um, so we refer to that as tech enthusiast, as, as well as some of the um, uh, content curation things we're doing. And, you know, I'm thrilled to be on with Steve, who, of course, is a content, you know, marketing genius. Um, but we have a notion that companies, corporations are really starting to produce great content, especially in the tech space and the consumer tech space. And it's hard to find. And if you're a, a consumer, maybe you're reading, you know, Engadget and Gizmodo and Tech Radar and 
the like every day uh, or coming into your Feedly or your RSS or what have you. Um, but you're probably not bouncing from site to site with some of these consumer tech companies that are producing really good content. So we've got some ideas on how to curate that a little better and make it more accessible. And we really think that kind of fits in with that overall message of bringing companies and, and consumers closer together. All right, awesome. So check that out. Check out Get Geeked and check out Technusiast and also check out CE Week. And Barry, if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? Well, uh, Barry at getgeek.tv. Um, you know, despite all the different ways we communicate now, email is still kind of the most effective. Uh, I'm at Barry Myers on Twitter, but at Get Geeked Events is, is really where I'm a lot more active uh, these days. All right, awesome. All right, check it out. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Steve. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you found that PR firms are overexpensive and underdeliver? Have you hired a smart team of senior pros and ended up with a young team of recent grads? Well, you're not alone. We've had the same experience. That's why we created Lightspeed PR. Lightspeed isn't like other agencies. We're here to deliver results and do it quickly. It's right there in the name. By the way, we can't bait and switch because junior team members don't exist at Lightspeed. Visit LightspeedPR.com and learn more. We are ready to help. That's LightspeedPR.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned into Marketing at Lightspeed with Ethan Raziel. We'd love to hear from you today. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Ethan at LightspeedPR.com. Now back to the show. And we're back. You're listening to Marketing at Lightspeed. This is your host, Ethan Raziel. If you've just joined us, we spoke with Barry Myers at Get Geeked, and I recommend that you check out Get Geeked to check out Barry. But now we have Mr. Steve Rubel, and Steve is the Chief Content Strategist at Edelman. Welcome, Steve. Ethan, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a thrill and it's a pleasure, and, and Steve, you and I worked together for, uh, for many years at Edelman, and, and those were good times. And, and what I want to ask you, Steve, to start it, it was, uh, you've been at Edelman, if I'm not mistaken, over, over 10 years now, and there have been a lot of changes. I mean, I think when you started, social media didn't exist as we know it today. So everything is really rebooted. But what's, what has stayed the same over that time? Are there any philosophies that you've just kind of held on to for the whole time? Well, yeah, I mean, I've held on to this idea of just being constantly curious. And, um, I think that that's a, a skill that sometimes is a, is a soft skill that people don't necessarily talk about much, but it's, um, it's, to me, that's just the, the essential. So I'm just, I'm just constantly fascinated by 
how technology is changing um, journalism, how it's changing you know communications, how it's changing marketing, uh, you know, and just to try to really understand that and the, and the consumer patterns around that. And you know, the more things change, the more things sometimes stay the same. I mean, you know, some some people are are wired a certain way, and they have been for years. So, but uh, that to me is the underlier, and I'm fortunate that I have a job where basically that's my that is my job is to is to be insatiably curious to try to about something and then to you know to work with our um, our team to convince them that that's kind of the right area to be to be looking at or there or to adopt it there which and then they you know go out and talk to it about clients but I could talk more about what I do but that's that's kind of the common thread across is, is this idea of curiosity yeah and uh, I, I certainly can, can say I remember you're you're telling us about this thing called Twitter, right? I think you were you were right there. Uh, were, were you at the uh, the South by Southwest where that was introduced? I was actually on Twitter before I was at South by Southwest. So my Twitter <laughs> stories my Twitter story is kind of funny. So yeah. So um, user number when you look at the if you look go into Twitter, I think on the on the actual website, I'll say I'm user. I'll say when I joined, which is January 2007, and I think in certain some of the apps it'll say what user you are. I'm user number 711,000. And so now well, that's not like, that impressive. I thought you were going to say you're user 12 or something. I think that's pretty good considering there are, there are <laughs> 454, 500 million people. Okay, know? I'll give it to you. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, it's like, you know, I'm in the first, like, you know, what is that? A quarter of 1%? I mean, okay, you know, I'll give it to you. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but, uh, it's funny. The story with that is, um, so I, I knew Evan Williams, who was uh, who was co-founder of Twitter, and um, I knew him basically just uh, through. At the time, the social media community was big on blogging, and at that time, I had a, a fairly well-read blog, and so I got to know him through that. And um, and you know, going to name drop here a little bit. I mean, I got invited. This is a long time ago now. This is ten years ago to go meet Bill Gates. Um, and a group of us got to meet Gates and sit with him for an hour and. Evan and I shared a taxi cab back to uh, Seattle uh, SeaTac Airport, and uh, so I really hadn't heard of Twitter at that point. This is like December '06, and I said, um, I, "I said, what are you doing next?" He says, "I'm doing this thing called Twitter," and he whipped out. This is before there were there were smartphones. He whipped out his flip phone, and he showed <laughs> me how he was yeah. using T9. And anybody who's you know old enough to remember that, God bless you. Oh, um, but he used a, a a way of typing on a on a on a flip phone, and he said, "And this is how you tweet." And he told me what Twitter was. And we got to the airport, and I remember I, I got out and I said goodbye. It was good seeing you. And he's like, "You should sign up. You should sign up for Twitter." And I'm like, "Okay, I said, I'll take a look at it." And I remember going into SeaTac, walking into that terminal, and saying, "This is not going to go anywhere." I mean, I was like, "No, who's going to do this thing?" I was like, "This is like I wish him luck, but this is not going to be successful." <laughs> but sure enough, yeah. I came back. I signed up. And I got hooked because uh, I saw kind of all the people who you know who were the influencers in technology were on it, and and um, and I got, if I'm not mistaken, I think almost everybody at Edelman who was who you know uh, signed up in the first couple of years of Twitter signed up through me or or you know like I was the first person they followed because I was the one that recommended it to them. So that was an example where you know where I was curious. I was wrong, but then I was curious to find out like what this thing was and I looked into it and I got hooked and it was and it was great for me. Yeah, and I guess that's really the mark of of a true curiosity is when you're very happy to be proven wrong, right? And to say, you know, I missed it, but I'm I'm on it now and I'm there, right? Yeah, or or also to know where you where your limits are, right? So I yeah. mean, 
you know, I have to admit, I am not on Snapchat. Do I believe in it? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be crazy if I didn't um, with 150 million, you know, very active users. But we got a guy in LA, this guy, Matthew Stanton, who, um, who is, <laughs> to his credit, younger than me and hungry and just, just as curious, maybe even more curious than I am. And he's on it like crazy. And so, uh, so I, I am fortunate that I have somebody now to call up uh, and I know my limitations. I'm like, I don't need another inbox. But you know what? If he wasn't here, I, I probably would be on it because, um, <laughs> yeah. because I think that there's a, you know, I, but I think it's important to know your limitations too and what you're, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I think over the, you know, over the last you know, decade or so, I've gotten better at that personally. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's, and that's something we should all strive to do. So uh, this is, a, I'm going to ask you something really central to, what I do and what all marketers do. Now, when we talk about marketing, we talk about content and you're the chief content strategist. And, and uh, I think as most people would see it, we have paid content, we have earned content and we have owned content. And I remember when I was at Edelman and I left Edelman in 2011, that uh, there was always this stigma on Paid content. It was like, look, we're too cool for that. That's what advertisers do. You know, we're more clever than that. We're going to earn it, and we're not going to pay for content. And I remember Richard, Richard Edelman, posting a blog a couple of years ago, sort of saying, look, let's embrace paid. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for us to stop avoiding it and saying it's part of the mix and it's legitimate, and we're going to go after that. Uh, uh, Steve, is my memory correct that Richard kind of had to change his his approach? And were you part of that discussion? And and how do you manage the split now? Well, first of all, I mean, to his credit, yeah, he he did change his opinion. Absolutely. Um, Because, uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's that's just, I think, the hallmark of a great great CEO and that he was able to really to do that. Um, So, yes, he did that. I I don't want to take credit for it because I think it's something that he did on his own. And but there was certainly a group of people um, who were um, were in different ways whispering in his ear about changes that he should be thinking about, and I think he uh, he reached his own uh, his own conclusion thereof and, and realized that. So now in my case specifically, I mean the, the role that I played in that was at the time uh, I saw that the the media the media business was going through a huge transformation. And that they were really um, moving towards embracing uh, what's now called native advertising or sponsored content, or you know, for those folks who are necessarily you know fully up to speed on this, what you, what you might consider an advertorial, for example, as their as their core business model. And I said, we should be we, we need a point of view on that topic because uh, you know there was quite do we believe in it? Do we don't believe in it? And so I was kind of central in. Um, getting our thinking aligned or at least getting the debate going within our organization about that specific topic. But the broader topic, I think he he largely reached it on his own. And I think part of that also is just the fact that, you know, in terms of social media, you, you couldn't, you know, by that point in time, and this is probably around 2013 is my guess, um, by that point in time, you couldn't do a program on social media without some degree of paid behind it because it just wouldn't be visible. The, the, the rules changed, or the, the the space changed, and so uh, and, and I think that you know, as a business, at that point, we were already doing it. So now, the way we look at the mix now is, we look, we're not a uh, a huge buyer of media. We have paid teams, I think, in almost every you know, at least in all of our big offices, and not many you know, many of our even our mid-sized offices in the United States. 
And the way we look at paid now is we use it in surgical ways to amplify uh, either something that which we have earned, meaning you know media coverage or you know influencer conversation or video or whatever, or something that which we own, such as something we've created. And so that could look like, you know, probably the majority of that is Facebook, you know, media buying or LinkedIn media buying. Uh, to some degree, maybe some Twitter media buys. Uh, Outbrain is uh, is something we use, uh, and in other cases, it's partnering with media owners um, and doing you know full on sponsored content programs that help you know position clients in new ways. So it's a part of our mix. Is it you know when you look at us as a firm? I mean, I'm, I don't know the number, and even if I did, I wasn't wouldn't be allowed to disclose it probably. But um, but it's you know when you look at the bulk of our revenues, I'm sure the majority of that what we do is still you know earned. In the broadest sense, I mean, it's looking at you know everything from working with influencers to uh, to you know to media coverage and so forth. And but and owned being a, more of what we do through a network of people we've hired called this this team called the Collaborative Journalism Team, which is former reporters from the likes of People Magazine and Fortune and uh, Fast Company who now uh, create content for our clients. Are those uh, reporters that got laid off, and now they're no, uh, they're people who left on their own. They, oh, okay, they're, they're people who left on their own and, and decided that uh, they didn't want to wait around for that. They uh, they wanted a, a change, and they were enlightened. So staying you know, on the curve, yeah. We don't have a big number of those folks. I mean, it's you know, it's in, but it's uh, it's a it's a growing part of what we do is is kind of creating that content. So more and more now, it's a mix of things, but uh, uh, but that's us. We keep we keep moving. And speaking of keeping moving, the, the, the name of the show is Marketing at Lightspeed, and it's about moving and moving quickly and being efficient. Steve, uh, as a guy who uh, is, is covering a lot of ground, any tips you can share on how to be more efficient with your time and how to get things going quickly? Um, yeah, I mean, I think ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, it's, uh, to me, it's, uh, there's a guy I work with um, – this guy Joe Kingsbury, and he's a um, he's our head of B two B digital, and he and I almost uh, and I don't know if this is an efficiency tip or maybe it's a it's a it, there's a there's a term called uh, productivity porn, which means you're looking at too much stuff. Um, but he but yeah. he and I are constantly sharing tips back and forth about different services and different apps that we've had, and and so what I you know over the years we just I think we're we're constantly like sending each other ideas, but I try to make everything. Uh, you know, available to me on every device with the cloud, and and that's just a you know that, that to me helps me a lot. You know, Edelman's got you know cloud services and things that they they use, and so I just you know pretty much now can go to you know anywhere I need and I can get what I need quickly. You know, through the through the services that the company provides. So that's I mean that's not a great tip. Um, I'm just trying to think. It just and just I mean a lot of the time the I find that one of the things that people have the most struggle finding time for is the time to learn. And the time to you know to to study, and and I'm always studying. And one way I do that is just listening to podcasts. I mean, whether if I'm doing the laundry, or I'm running an errand, or I'm out walking, or uh, or I'm commuting, or I'm on a plane, or I'm in a terminal somewhere, and you know, I mean, I'm on the road a lot. And you know, the podcasts are are my way to learn because I can actually kind of do two things at once. I, I'm not good enough to to be able to you know to work and listen to a podcast. There's some people who could do that, but that to me is uh, is a way to kind of you know accelerate that. All right, good stuff. We got to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Steve and Barry back for some final words. Stay with us.
your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you found that PR firms are overexpensive and underdeliver? Have you hired a smart team of senior pros and ended up with a young team of raising grads? Well, you're not alone. We've had the same experience. That's why we created Lightspeed PR. Lightspeed isn't like other agencies. We're here to deliver results and do it quickly. It's right there in the name. By the way, we can't bait and switch because junior team members don't exist at Lightspeed. Visit LightspeedPR.com and learn more. We are ready to help. That's LightspeedPR.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned into Marketing at Lightspeed with Ethan Raziel. We'd love to hear from you today. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Ethan at LightspeedPR.com. Now back to the show. And we're back. You're listening to the Marketing at Lightspeed program. And we are live on Voice America around the world. Really happy to have you join me. And I'm your host, Ethan Raziel. And I'm joined by two amazing guests. And I think, honestly, this is the best show we've had because you guys have both shared some great info and some great advice. And my guests are Barry Myers of Get Geeked and Steve Rubel of Edelman, and both guys that I've known for a while. So I appreciate your being with me. So we have a, we have a few minutes left here, and I wanted to, to ask a couple more things to both of you. Starters... Let's start with this. Steve, just at the end of the last segment, you were talking about podcasts. Can you both tell our listeners some of your favorite podcasts that they should check out? Oh, boy. I got a few. But, um, well, I'll give you a, a couple. I mean, um, so first of all, I, until very recently, I had my own podcast. So I was you know, listening to more of them because I was kind of studying what people were doing. Um, but I, I'm a huge uh, – I'm driven by growth and I'm driven by helping people grow uh, and by growing myself. Um, and so I'm a personal growth junkie. And so there's three shows that I listen to there that are just phenomenal. Uh, one is the Tim, uh, is the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, and he's, uh, just, uh, he's, he's risen in the world in such a big way. And I know him as a friend and he's, he interviews great guests and he unpacks kind of what they do. Everyone from, you know, Mike Rowe to Arnold Schwarzenegger to, uh, to Jamie Foxx, to, you know, to all these people, he's really just great. Um, another guy who does something very similar is this guy, Lewis Howes, uh, and again, interviews great performers and asks them, you know, what, uh, what they do. And a new one that I'm hooked on and I, I want to see where it goes, um, is, uh, is Tony Robbins now has a podcast and I'm a huge fan of his and he's just got, I, I'd like to see, he's, he's not on enough for me. He, uh, he, he has somebody kind of interview guests for him. Um, but when he's on and he's interviewing the guests or they're playing parts of uh, things he's done, it's, it's phenomenal. So I think th- those three. And then on the tech side, um, marketing side, Digiday's got a great podcast um, that they, they do 
the Wall Street Journal's got a really good media podcast, and Recode's got a great media media podcast as well. And the, and the Journal one is pretty new. I think it's about five shows in. So that's a lot. Good stuff. Uh, Barry, are we going to have a Get Geeks podcast anytime soon? I think we may have a Get Geek podcast, which would be very quick and down and dirty with not super senior executives, but more product managers at some of these hardware companies who are on the front line designing form function, new devices, new gadgets. I think that could be pretty cool. Um, I'm not a huge podcast guy myself, not for lack of trying. You know, I kind of have to do double duty, right? I do. I have to stay on top of the tech space and, you know, find out who's, and right now we're in a real great time for hardware startups, so I really got to find out who's hot, who's launching, who's been funded, uh, so I can go after them. And then, of course, I also am constantly, you know, trying to learn about social media and content marketing for my own business, so I try to kind of do double duty. As a matter of fact, when Steve said I got a few, I actually grabbed my pen and started to write them down. Uh, But at the same time, I also think, and I'm sure Steve would agree, you know, you got to escape now and then, too. So Mm. it's funny, on the um, professional side, I actually end up, you know, Pocket, which I just love, Uh, actually has an audio function. So I walk around New York City listening to articles narrated to me a lot. Uh, I really really like to do that. Uh, But then I'm also just a huge Audible fan, and that's my escape, and that's when I listen to you know, the, the John Adams biography and, the, and, and things like that as a means to just kind of get out of it for a little bit. You know, I was a poli-sci major, so I've always been a little bit of a politics nerd, so that's really what I'm doing. But I do want to say one thing. I think it's great that I'm thrilled that, you know, the kind of made, major takeaway from both of us was actually really similar, right? I mean, Steve talked about being constantly curious, and I talked about always being a student, and I, I mean, I think those are pretty, pretty yep. interchangeable. Yeah, I was I was hoping every episode I try to get my guy my guest to fight, and uh, <laughs> so far everybody's like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so, well, Mike, um, Mike, I mean, you know, PR people don't fight. It's not too late, guys. It's not it's not too late to throw down if you want. If you want to really, let's get some ratings. The right, only place I would really do that is if we got into a big heated sports argument. But other than that, I'm going to be probably pretty pretty docile. <laughs> well, let me ask you something else. Uh, this is something, Barry. You you alluded to this when you, you when I was talking to you. You were talking about the difference between influencers and advocates. Uh, could you talk a little more about that? And 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 Steve, I want you to react to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's incredibly critical for what I'm doing in particular, right? Because influencer marketing has kind of become this umbrella term for both. And um, you know, the folks that I'm bringing to get geeked events are advocates. They don't have tremendous reach, but man, the people they reach are following their directions and going out and buying the gear that they tell them to buy. That's the kind of, that's the kind of quote, influence they have. Uh, as opposed to what I think, and I'd love to hear Steve's feedback too, is, you know, the more my my more my understanding of influencer marketing is you know the celebrity tweet and things of that nature and for me it's really critical because i want my sponsors to understand what they're getting into and i don't want them to necessarily think we're going to have a bunch of you know 800,000 Twitter follower type of people walking around the show. They're going to be active on social and they're incented to, but they like to do it anyway because it's their role, right? They really want to be the market influencer leader, uh, early adopter. Uh, but they're, you know, but again, their reach, it's not huge, but the people they do reach uh, are following their, following their lead. Yeah, I, I think that, an inf- I mean, in a perfect world, an influencer becomes an advocate for you. Um, 
So an advocate is somebody who uh, I think to me, first of all, says you're working with them in an earned capacity, that, that they are just, you know, ad- they are just, you know, excited about what you do. They're, they're a raving fan, you know, they could, and you don't have to have many of them. I mean, uh, you know, Kevin Kelly talks about having a thousand, uh, a thousand true fans is his, is an essay he wrote many years ago. Um, that a lot of marketers should probably look at, but, um, but you don't need many of them. But now, if you can get the, the, the best of both worlds, an influencer who, uh, who you, know, you know, and I think, as Barry alluded, has a, a large following, that's kind of, a, um, that's kind of one of their requisites. Um, to become an advocate for you, that's the best of both worlds. But you don't need necessarily that. You, you, could have, you can have a group of people that will go to bat for you every time. But I think part of it is how you work with them. Influencers, increasingly, more than you got to work with in a, in a paid way, and, you know, not entirely, you know, obviously with proper disclosures and everything. Uh, whereas advocates, I think they'll go to bat for you no matter what. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit different. Yep. Uh, so we've got about a minute left. So I want to do a speed question for both of you. Okay. And this is a gadget question, but I got to do it. Virtual reality gimmick or the future? Go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say right now gimmick, but um, I, when it gets to below $200, I think we're on. Yeah, I think absolutely the future. Um, you know, one of the things I learned right out of law school when I started to do the regulatory work is when stuff start get, starts getting hyped in the tech scene, wait 10 or 12 years, and it either falls apart or it really becomes something. And, you know, you put that, that Oculus or that gear on, and it's the first really amazing, mind-blowing experience, I think, that's come along from a gadget perspective in the last several years. So we're going to need to figure it out. I was actually at Lenovo Tech World with 150 oh, geeks. Okay, Barry. Uh, yesterday gotta, when they did the gotta, AR launch. Barry, got to interrupt really cool you too. because we're, we're out of time. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, you've been listening to Marketing at Lightspeed. Thank you all. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much for listening this week to Marketing at Lightspeed. Please join Ethan Raziel next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you improve your marketing one show at a time. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.